Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And hello out there to all you Brooklyn folk and beyond. This is Sam Maxwell. And we're here with the Bedford and Sullivan Podcast, the podcast that keeps you, the audience, active listeners in the Brooklyn Dodgers TV series research process. And there is always a lot to discuss uh, whether it be the history of Brooklyn, whether it be the history of the uh, the Brooklyn Baseball Club, the Dodgers, as uh, formerly known, the Robins, the Superbas. They were known as many things over the years. And uh, while people were following them, uh, Brooklyn was uh, shaking off its independence, uh, independence very reluctantly. And part of that, of course, the consolidation was uh, the – Fire Department of New York taking over for the Brooklyn Fire Department. And I thought, uh, uh, you know, since it's been a while since we've been on the podcast, that we get right into it by uh, inviting a prolific guest of ours, the Brooklyn Borough historian Ron Schweiger, on the podcast. So, first of all, Ron, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. Glad to be here again, Sam. As always. And, and uh, somebody who has been a longtime listener, uh, and was a first-time caller uh, a few podcasts ago back uh, in 2022, and that is uh, Rob Lopez. How you doing, Rob? I'm doing good, gentlemen. Good afternoon, and thank you, as always, for having me on your podcast. Absolutely. And so I thought uh, you being part of the uh, the FDNY, I thought you would uh, uh, give uh, some good insight, and, and you also talk about – you also uh, started out your career in Brooklyn, so we will certainly get to that. But I'm going to go to uh, Mr. Ron Schweiger first to kind of give an overview of the history of the fire department in Brooklyn. Okay. Thank you, Sam. Uh, and good afternoon, everybody who's listening in. Um, as some of you may or may not know, um, when the Dutch first arrived here in the 1600s, um, they established five Dutch towns in what we now call Kings County, there was one English town uh, called Gravesend that was founded by a woman named Lady Deborah Moody, and that's at the southern tip of Brooklyn, where uh, Coney Island, Brighton Beach, Sheep's Bay are located. Eventually, as these little villages or towns grew, um, of course, they needed fire protection. And there, there was no uh, central location for uh, in all of Kings County. Each town had to supply their own equipment and their own source of manpower uh, to fight uh, fires. Um, In in Flatbush, uh, they sent Flatbush, and incidentally, I'm doing a walking tour this Thursday, which is booked already, um, on the history of the town of Flatbush, which the center of which was the intersection of Church Avenue and Flatbush Avenue. The Flatbush Church Reformed Church is on that corner, and the first church on that corner was built in 1654, second one in 1699, and the one that stands there today dates to 1796. Um, very, very historic. 
as far as pirate fighting is concerned, um, the first Flappish organized engine company was in 1825. And the person that organized that was actually the principal of Erasmus Hall Academy, Erasmus High School. Um, his name was Jonathan Kellogg. No relation to Kellogg Rice Krispies. Um, and um, it was a horse-drawn cart engine that was, uh, they got that from Connecticut, and it needed six men to operate. And incidentally, the firehouse was located behind the graveyard of the Dentry from church, okay? There was a bucket brigade that was needed to maintain the um, water supply in the reservoir of the tank on the cart. And, um, of course, the bucket brigade had to keep adding water to the pump, to the, the, the tank on the cart. And that was quite a deal, too. The builders, in fact, probably all, there was an incident that occurred um, eight thirty-two, seven years later. Flatbush eventually became the county seat of Kings County. Uh, it was it was it wasn't until the English took over, by the way, in sixteen sixty-four, actually uh, things started to change. And by sixteen eighty-three, I think it was, that all of was designated by by the English King's County, of course named after King of England. But there was an incident that occurred the King County House, which again was the county seat for all the King's City in 1832. The courthouse burned down. And the story behind that is that it was because of a look fair. Now, hey, Ron, tell I'm this. sorry to interrupt. Ron, I'm sorry to interrupt, yes. but if there's any way that you can call back from either your home line or your, or just find a different place in your home, uh, both Rob and I are, are finding it very choppy, and I just want to make sure that that the interesting stuff that you are uh, speaking on is as clear to the audience as uh, possible. Um, all right. Well, actually, I'm sitting in my dining room. I don't know why it's happening. Can you hear me? How, am I coming to no. the okay now? It's a little bit better. Uh, um, is there any way that you can call from your home line? Sure. Okay. Yeah. We, I Give me a minute or two. I'll make sure to monitor the studio and bring you on uh, ASAP. Thank you so much. Um, uh, call in yeah, a minute. Excellent. Rob, you know, okay. it, it just kind of reminds me that I, I need to uh, – get out of 2012 when it comes to the technology of this, you know, it, we're still kind of doing it like it's a, uh, like it's the, the radio call-in show, but, but Hey, you know, that's, that's just uh, how, how it goes. Um, so I'm going to go to you uh, before we, we have uh, Mr. Schweiger back. I'm going to go to you to give us a, a little bit of a, a history lesson on your own personal uh, fire department history. Uh, which Okay, you got some feedback there. Is that coming in on yeah, you? Well, yeah, I got I got him. He's calling back from the, the home line, but I just muted him on his cell phone, so. Okay. Just, well, I just muted you. my cell phone also, Sam. Can you hear me? Okay, I can hear you. Yes, we can hear you. So we're going 
We're going to uh, give it to Rob and then pass it back to you in a moment, uh, Mr. Schweiger. Why am I still getting it? I would say just hang up your cell phone. Just tell me, hang I up just did. I just did. Can you hear me? We can okay. hear you perfectly now. Excellent. So I don't know what you so, missed so, when I was talking before. I, I, um, a, me, I kind of have a I – well, uh, give, give it a second. I'm going to pass it over to Rob, and then we'll pass it back to you. And I, I have a, an idea as to where we left off with you. But I'm going to give it to uh, Mr. Lopez real quick, and he's going to give us a little bit of a, a – a, a, he's going to give us a, a little bit of his own personal FDNY history. Okay. All right. All right, gentlemen, thank you. Uh, and, and if there's any technical difficulties on my end, please uh, feel free to jump in and let me know. So I'm on a cell phone myself, and I could call back from a landline. So um, basically my my connection with, um, with uh, what, what the, the guys on the job called the BFD, Brooklyn Fire Department, is uh, when I first started my career, I was appointed in July of 2001. And... Uh, on the tail end of my, my training, we, at, at, at the time, my academy class, we were given orders that we go on what they call a, a firefighting, rot- a training rotation program. So that basically consisted of two, uh, a pair of firefighters going to double houses, which is an engine company, a ladder company throughout the city. Uh, usually until they, they see where you live logistically and try to put you somewhere, but at that time, uh, that that did not exist. They just simply put you where they felt like putting you, which at the time was assigned according to your last name. So there was a gentleman who also had a last name, L. The both of us were uh, assigned to Engine Company 219, Ladder 105, in the Prospect, Prospect Heights section of Brooklyn. So both of you probably are very well aware that on Dean Street, um, it's a block. I think it's, it's just one block away from the border on Flatbush Avenue between Park Slope and Prospect Heights. So um, to to start my rotation program, I was assigned there on Friday, September seventh, two thousand one. So we go there, and naturally, you, you know, you you know, we stop at a, at a at a bakery. We bring cakes. So naturally, the the guy that I went with was a lot younger than me and had no idea. So I said, "Listen, I know the place we're going to go to because the training academy is on Randall's Island, uh, in the East River." Uh, so from there, I went, "Okay, I know the place." So I go straight to Junior's, get the cheesecake, get some cookies. I'm like, it's got to be a home run. If you go to juniors, it shows that, you know, you know, that these guys, you know, it's, it's, it's not cheap and you bring a good juniors cheesecake. It shows that you have some kind of class. So, right. Exactly. Um, so I get there and uh, this young man, younger than me, you know, opens the door and I salute him. We're there in our uniforms and clean cut haircuts and salute. And he, he goes, not me, you go in the back. So the, the guys are in the back. And we go in the back in the kitchen area of uh, 219-105, and, uh, you know, there's everybody there just waiting for us. And uh, it was um, a a unique time where just by me telling you guys with that date, you know what's going to obviously lead up to where I, you know, that was a Friday afternoon, and I stayed there until, I mean, God knows, until like 11 o'clock at night. You know, the guys, you know, just hanging out, asking me a thousand questions, where are you from? 
I told them I'm from the Bronx. They're like, what the hell are you doing here? I'm like, well, I'm just following orders. So I'm just here. And uh, so what, at the time, I was ordered to be there for seven weeks in the engine company and then do another seven weeks in the ladder company where I get experience on both sides of the floor of operations. And then upon my 14-week um, rotation, when it's completed, I was to go back to the academy, uh, complete some more uh, peace officer training, uh, EMS training, and then graduate in in January. So I'm there hanging out all all, all night until like midnight on, on Friday. The other kid goes home, whatever. And, and, um, you know, I meet, I meet all the guys in the house and, uh, I was supposed to start on, um, Monday and Tuesday, but we received orders the next day where it's like, no, you're going to go to, uh, Fort Totten, which is a uh, military post in, in Queens, right on the other side of the bridge. Uh, they're like, no, your orders have changed. You're, you're, you're going to, you're going to, um, uh, medical training, uh, night classes, Monday, Tuesday, then you guys start Wednesday. So that was the last second change. So I'm like, ah, a little disappointed, whatever. And then uh, comes Tuesday, September 11th, obviously no explanation needed. Everything's upside down. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm home at the time because Monday night I had class over in Queens at Fort Totten. Uh, most of the guys that were uh, at that class that night go to uh, Bell Boulevard, which is all the, the Irish bars there, they go hanging out. I'm like, nah, I'm going home because at the time I was living in Throg's Neck, which is on the Bronx side of that bridge. I go home, get a good night's sleep. I wake up the next morning early. Everything unfolds, and there's just no way for me to get to Dean Street. So I wound up uh, responding down with a couple of Bronx companies uh, down to uh, West Street where um, everything unfolded. And uh, which is which is a whole nother story, but getting back. Yeah. To well, well, first, um, first off, you know, I know, I know where. Uh, that's uh, the fact that you know I obviously didn't know that the story led the open the beginning of your story led to nine eleven. So, firstly, just may I I have to say thank you for your uh, service and sacrifice, and and we're grateful, yeah. so grateful that you're still here. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I'm trying to give you the short version where, you know, I'm digressing to Brooklyn firefighting history, but that's my unique introduction, not only to my job, but, you know, uh, into into that firehouse in Brooklyn. And um, so, you know, that my whole experience down there is a whole nother story, but I wound up uh, eventually hooking up with some of the guys the next day to where uh, we wound up losing uh, the entire 105 company, every guy in 105 mm. was lost, and one guy in 219 was lost. So they they had a huge. It was a huge hit to that firehouse. So it it turned everything upside down. Naturally, with everything else in the world that day, naturally. So um, I wound up staying there because at the time I was single, so I had no ties or I had to be home for anything anybody in the family i lived by myself at the time you know i wound up just staying there for days and nights on end just helping out around the firehouse going down to you know lower manhattan looking for these guys which uh um a number of them are are still missing to this day so uh i have a very unique bond to that place to where 
you know, I wanted to stay there. And uh, the thing, things that wound up working out where uh, I wound up uh, not even going across the floor, as we call, to I only wound up going, staying there for about two months before uh, a good number of my academy class, we just got all reassigned to um, firehouses in Manhattan that were just devastated because the, the majority mm-hmm. of the, the losses were in that part of Brooklyn, like downtown Brooklyn, like Fort Greene, Flatbush, um, What's the place right on the water where it's uh, – I uh, forget the name of that section where all the, mo- the movie, stu- movie, movie studio is. I forget. It'll, it'll come. Midwood. Um, Midwood. No, not Midwood. Uh, it's right on the water. Um, it used to be like a no man's land. Not, the it, high, it, not, not Red Hook? Red Hook. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. <laughs> so Red Hook, uh, those companies had to get replenished. I wound up going to Midtown Manhattan, you know, not by – uh, not by choice, but I, mean, I was told that's where I was going. So, uh, but my time in Brooklyn, you know, for the few months that I was there, um, you know, it was just very different from what you know uh, the, any regular training program was going to be. Uh, getting to know the neighborhood better, the people that were living in the neighborhood at the time on Dean Street, on Carlton, the the the, the police precinct around the corner, which I think is the seven eight on Bergen Street. Uh, that how that neighborhood came together and obviously uh, you know this was pre Barclay Center which uh, the area where that that uh, that arena uh, is is on was still a couple blocks of you know small residential houses uh, a couple of brownstones and and coffee shops uh, the people that were very supportive of us there uh, the uniqueness of the neighborhood where uh, that 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 part of Dean Street had not become so gentrified as it was today you still had the pretty much the last vestiges of of the old school neighborhood it was still a little bit on the ghetto side uh the um uh you know the but the, nonetheless the people were still very supportive uh of us and and very kind and um it was a it, it, i have nothing but wonderful memories to where even after i was taken out of that house and reassigned in manhattan I made it a point to go back there, especially, I think, for 11 years in a row. I went there for every September 11th uh, memorial for the guys that were there. And in the passage of time and anything, you know, especially in the, in the, in the work field and in, in the fire department, you know, the, the guys, you know, the place changes either through, you know, guys retire, guys move on and get promoted to higher ranks or, um, or transfer somewhere else. So there's uh, – the last time I was there was uh, not that long ago. It was less than two years ago, and there's only two people in the house left that I know that mm. were working there when I was there uh, in 2001. So, uh, and then, if, you know, of course, you know, they call that area Little Manhattan now. I don't know if that's a term you've heard, Sam, uh, being that you live not, not yet, too far actually. from that neighborhood, I believe. <laughs> yeah, they, well, the guys referred to say, oh, it's Little Manhattan because of the, you know, uh, Ron, I don't know if you heard that term either. No, I haven't, but it's start, yeah. starting to look like Midtown Manhattan. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean that, one, that one building right next to the dime, I think they're making it with the dime street savings, the dime savings base. I mean, um, the, the base of the, the foundation is the uh, dime savings bank of Brooklyn, also Fulton Street, but the building is just, uh, you know, I, I, I've, I've finally started to appreciate the architecture of it. I'm, I'm, I'm tangenting a little bit, but... Um, it, it is remarkable what's happening down there. I, I'll, I'm going to go to Ron, and Ron, I think we're going to put a, 
a hold on the history lesson because I, I have a, an idea as to where I want you to start, but I'd like to, to see if you have any follow-up for the story you just heard from Rob. Um, not so much, really, um, but um, as I was mentioning earlier, uh, each of the uh, towns had to have their own uh, um, fire company um, until 1898, 1899, when Brooklyn and, and the other counties became consolidated into the greater city of New York. And then the individual fire companies um, from each town was, was consolidated into the New York City Fire Department. However, some of them still remained as volunteer fire companies. Um, um, Sam, I think I sent you a picture that shows a photograph from 1931 in front mm, of what was the original, the original Lundy's restaurant. And in the front, there's a sign that says Villa Peg Inn. And then it said the Gravesend Volunteer Fire, Firemen's Association, their annual dinner or something. And it's dated, I think, um, March of 1931. So as late as 1931, the, the area of Brooklyn of Gravesend, although it was part of the city's firefighting, had its own separate volunteer firemen's association. And in 1925, I know that Flatbush had a volunteer firemen association as well. I was doing research on Flatbush a number of years ago, and I found a a, not a magazine, but a, a booklet for the um, 25th, uh, I think the 25th anniversary. No, it, it was 1925. The 1925 uh, issue of the Flatbush Volunteer Firemen's Association. So as late as the 1920s and as Gravesend, 1931, there still was a volunteer fire association, even though mm. it was small being encompassed around by the New York City Fire Department. So it was unusual to see that, that they still had volunteers as late as that. So I'll, um, I'm going to go to Rob here. Uh, so one of the things that got me kind of, uh, uh, you know, interested in, in the history of all of this is as you go through Brooklyn, uh, you do see remnants of the uh, Brooklyn Fire Department when it was its own city. And it's, in, it's so, that was what was so interesting when you said that uh, that's what the, the department always refers to Brooklyn as, the, the, the Brooklyn side of everything, the, B, the BFD, the Brooklyn Fire Department. So a lot, you know, um, I, I know that there's one particular house on, I believe it's, oh God, I forget what corner it is, but it's on Rogers Avenue. And it says Brooklyn Fire Department outside, and usually that indicates that it's, uh, the building was built before 1896 or 1898, which is exactly when the consolidation occurred. So, um, what the, the house that you were on on Dean Street? Uh, what what was the avenue it was off again? It was between. You see that overpass is gone now. I think it's between Sixth at the time and Carlton. I mean, I can look on the map. Okay. It's, it's, it's right yeah. around the corner. Uh, I believe it's between 6th and, and Carlton. Uh, the, the, do you remember the at all how old, uh, do you remember at, oh, all, so, at, at all how old the house was? 
so the the two the two units in there, engine two nineteen one hundred five, were formerly what we call single companies. So they had their own firehouse uh, in the general area where uh, uh, two nineteen I think was further down on Dean Street, going east by a few blocks. The structure was still there because the guy showed me here. This is where the engine used to be housed in, and then ladder 105 their old quarters were was on pacific street where uh logistically it would probably be in one of the hockey goal nets in the what the barclay center uh so it was literally across the street from because the previous to the barclay center i'm sure ron correct me if i'm wrong i think that was a that was like a like a like a pit it was a what do you call it like a, like a train yard for uh, the Long Island right. Railroad. I remember it was exposed. We used to go over there um, once in a while. Uh, yes, it, it, was, like a, it, was a, it was a train yard for the Long Island Railroad. In fact, um, Walter O'Malley, who owned the Brooklyn Dodgers, he wanted to build a new stadium on that site to replace yes. Ebbets yeah. Field. And, of course, it never happened. And, uh, and that's the Barclays Center was built on that site for the same reason O'Malley wanted it there because nine subway lines, uh, ter- not terminate, but nine subway lines go at that location, including the Long Island Railroad. So that's yeah. why the right. I feel, was I feel like that. I feel like Atlantic Center is basically uh, the equivalent uh, of, of Times Square in terms of transit hub in Brooklyn. Yes. No, I, yes. I agree absolutely. Um, I, I, Getting... Now I'm kind of – yeah, go ahead, Rob. Yeah, I, I know this could quickly turn into a O'Malley hatred Brooklyn Dodger conversation again. <laughs> I want to, and and believe me, I'll go all the live long day with that. But uh, um, getting back to the point, yeah. So so getting back to the the firehouse that I was in, those two companies merged in from what I believe was 1977. Uh, so the firehouse is there. Most of those firehouses do have cornerstones with the date there. So it is, it's either 76 or 77. So that's when the two units okay. merged and the, the, the former firehouses for each unit um, did stand. Uh, 219 is still there, which is further east on Dean. And then 105, okay. their, their quarters was taken down during the construction of uh, the Barclay center. So um, the, but getting to where uh, Rogers Avenue that firehouse is still there. So that's engine 332. I don't know who the ladder is. I think it might be 174. I'm not sure. But as we call them in the Bronx, those triple digit numbers. So, because um, everywhere else in the city, uh, Manhattan and Bronx, it's, it's, and, uh, is, uh, is double numbers. So uh, okay. we, go, we go back and forth with the bantering of that. We, we, we don't acknowledge those triple digit numbers. So, uh, but did there you, is a unique. Did you. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. I keep interrupting. So it, it, it's, it's all right. There is a, I mean, you brought up the Rogers Avenue house where, yeah, there's still houses that still have that BFD uh, uh, in, uh, on the wall, on the, exterior, on the exterior of the firehouse. So, you know, being that, I think, Ron, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the city merger was 1898 or 99. Uh, January 1st, 1898. Okay. All right, good. All right, I still know my history a little bit. Um, so that, those, that, that goes to show you how old those structures are, that they're still there right. standing and they still look good. Uh, the, the most interesting thing, familiar with it, is the, uh, what was the 
original Brooklyn Fire Department headquarters on J Street in downtown Brooklyn, which is still standing there. And um, I'm sure you're more than familiar with it, which is a, a very unique, very unique architecture. It's, yes. it's a beautiful structure. I think it, I think it is designated a national landmark. Um, um, I know it's a New York City landmark. Whether it's national or not, I oh, don't know. Uh, okay, as a New beautiful arch entrance. Sam, I know you're always walking around the city. Um, I don't know yeah. if you've ever seen this structure, but it's on J Street in downtown Brooklyn, just a few blocks from the current uh, fire department headquarters. Uh, I mean, if you look it up, you'll definitely find it in two seconds uh, on on the Internet. So. Uh, but that's that's a, another beautiful structure that is, uh, you know, uh, you know, it is preserved as it should be, which is the original headquarters. So that's something that the audience, if they're interested in that, they, they, they could definitely look that up. I know you have to go, Rob, and I think that's why I was I was rushing a question earlier. So, again, I apologize, but I'm no, it's okay. curious be, whether you got uh, 10 more minutes. Yeah. To me. There you go. Perfect. So I'm curious whether you, uh, and just, I guess, in general amongst the, the department, um, I, I'm guessing you saw the King of Staten Island, which is so uh, filled with the camaraderie of, of the fire department. Have you seen it? No, I, I, I have not seen that, but I have a good, I've seen little bits and pieces and of course guys in the house talking about it, but, uh, from right. from the, the little that I've seen and heard that that is uh, to go too far with the topic again, but you know Pete Davidson's dad was a 9/11 responder and he did like he did pass away in the line of duty on that day. So uh, the the depiction of firemen in that film, from what I was told and a little I saw, is 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 pretty much spot on as far as the banter mm. back and forth and the com and the camaraderie back and forth and the, and the closeness. Yeah, that's. I, I thought that was one of my my favorite parts about the entire movie, and and it, it really, uh, uh, you know, it, it, the movie really stuck with me, and I, I recommend it to everybody uh, to see uh, uh, Pete Davidson's vehicle there because it's and, and I appreciate uh, just the tangent that he didn't um, within the the plot line of the the movie. Uh, it wasn't folk. I thought they made a solid decision that. If if they went with his father dying in 9/11, that might take away from the rest of the story. So they went with him dying in a, a hotel uh, fire. Um, you know, no spoils, but but it it is not it, you know verbatim Pete Davidson's story. It's adapted well, and uh, I highly recommend it to everybody out there if they want to see a good movie that may have gotten lost within everybody's uh, ether because of, of the pandemic, it didn't get released into theaters. It was uh, only available via streaming. It's a really fantastic movie and one of Judd Apatow's best. So uh, for certain, check it out. Um, Rob, since you're, you're going to be the first to go, I'd like to, anything else uh, you would like to discuss uh, over the next uh, uh, less than 10 minutes? Oh, well, the, the, the limited time that I was down there, like I said, I, I, I it's, it's nothing but unique memories. Um, you know, highs and lows being that at the time period when I was down there, uh, something I'll never forget. The, the, the people in the neighborhood at the time, uh, it was right before, you know, like I was saying that like that Prospect Heights neighborhood became very gentrified and a lot of people left. And there was still people there that had been living there for, for decades and decades. And 
uh, it was, it was uh, something that I'll, I'll, I'll never forget. I don't remember everybody's names, but the, the, the people who were so genuine, always coming by the firehouse and showing their support, especially on how devastated our particular unit was at the time where, um, like I said, there was, I, I can't remember. I think that there are still a number of members that are, are, are still unaccounted for because of their locate, their last known location. So it's, uh, I mean, if you ever have a chance to go by the house on Dean street, you know, there is a memorial outside where you see all those members. And um, I think I was going back to where when I first opened the door, when I first rang the, 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 the bell for the, for the firehouse, the kid that opened up the door, you know, I saluted him. He goes, don't salute me. Um, he was, I wound up finding out that, um, and I only met him for that one day. He got on the class before I did. Um, so we were both what we call probationary firefighters at the time. And he wound up working that Tuesday and, you know, he's still unaccounted for. His name is Dennis Oberg, young kid, newly married, very oh, like I said, younger than me, younger than me. I think he was only 25 at the time. So that's uh, something that I always, you know, will never forget, you know, especially with that neighborhood and everything. And, you know, I don't want to bring down the, the, the conversation. I mean, I know this is about Brooklyn Fire Department. No, it's history, poignant. But, you know, it's, it's, poignant. Just, it's, it's unique. And, you know, I, I always hold the place in high regard, the neighborhood in high regard. It's, uh, you know, I mean, I want, they actually gave me the choice. They're like, do you want to stay? We know you want to, you, you live in the Bronx and it'll be a long ride. I'm like, yeah, I'll stay. I'll stay. But, yeah. you know, the, the higher powers that be wound up, I wound up getting, well, you know, sticks in the wind. We wound up just getting blown somewhere else and reassigned to Manhattan. So it was, it was out of my hands. But that uh, Prospect Heights Park Slope area where we responded was just, uh, just a, a great neighborhood. It was unique. Yeah. Uh, the people were wonderful. The neighborhood was great being that, you know, I'm, I was born and bred in the Bronx. I was never really ever down there. And, you know, Sam, as you know, that's just a very short walk from where uh, Ebbets Field was. It was just uh, Dean Street is just a little north, probably like a 15-minute walk north, five-minute car drive from where the Ebbets Field um, used to be and where the apartment right. is now. Uh, I mean, we did respond up to like Grand Army Plaza, a little bit near the Brooklyn Museum, but that was it because they got other units right. over there, so it was close enough. So it was. Uh, well, but the uh, the, the architecture, also... the, the the architecture, like I said, that uh, that original um, the headquarters of that Brooklyn Fire Department is something that you. Sh- I'm surprised you don't know about it. Uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm a Brooklyn out. bicycler. Uh, you know, I'm, I. I... I just think that has a better ring than the Brooklyn cyclist, the Brooklyn bicycler. So I will, <laughs> I will certainly, uh, yeah, I'm always going all over the former city and uh, I will make sure on my next, uh, not only uh, considering that I, I'm pretty sure it's Bergen that goes down. So it's Dean that goes up in terms of bike, in terms of the, uh, the way of the street. So I, I will uh, 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 take a look the next time that I'm cycling back to my Flatbush apartment uh, and take a look at the uh, both the, the new newer house that you uh, mentioned, but also the older structures that yeah, you said was just a little further east. And I, I before you go, I have to mention uh, uh, in ties to 9-11 that one of the things we've talked about a lot with Carl Erskine on this podcast, and, and so I know we're going to re- be repeating ourselves, but it, it must be mentioned once more. Um, and I'm, I'm sure, Rob, you remember sometimes where, where Carl has, has recollected about coming in after 9-11 and being 
basically uh, the red carpet was put out by the fire department from the airport uh, for Carl to to be there to support the the the, the folks uh, you, you folks that lost a lot of great uh, men and women and um, it, it it's always stuck with me that story because it it it's just not only shows what the Brooklyn Dodgers still mean to Brooklyn, um, but what they've all, you know, what they've always meant, even, even to these, uh, uh, even to a lot of, you know, firefighters at the time who were certainly not, most likely not around when the Dodgers were in town. Uh, yes, that was, uh, that, I mean, I'll always have, you know, I'm always so appreciative of you having me on that podcast where I got to speak to Mr. Erskine and, you know, complete gentleman. Uh, it was an honor to, to communicate with him and especially that, which I was not aware of, of, uh, the fire department, you know, treating him like that, which is, you know, listen, that it, it makes me feel great knowing that, that someone, uh, like him is, you know, never forgotten despite, you know, the Dodgers being gone for, you know, all these decades now. Uh, so, and, you know, he, and, and that he, you know, he's, he's treated like that and he appreciates it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great feeling knowing that, that we, we took care of him like that. Rob, are you aware well, that Rob, the, uh, yeah. you know, the, the street, the exit on the belt parkway, the Erskine street exit. Yes, sir. Yes. I'm very aware that, of that. is named yes. for mm-hmm. Carl Erskine. And I yes, told that to him and he was very, very pleased that uh, when that street was originally mapped out in the 1970s, the DOT workers that were mapping out the street asked permission if they can name the street. It was only a short street, maybe two or three blocks long. Um, and they, their favorite pitcher for the Brooklyn Dodgers was Carl Erskine. But when this new exit was made on the Belt Parkway, um, they, all they did was extend that 1970s Erskine Street a few blocks further, and that became the Erskine Street exit on the Belt Parkway. Mm. Wow. That, well, so, that uh, I wasn't aware of, and that's, that's great. And Carl and I have joked about uh, the idea that it should have been spelled Oiskine Street. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rob, yes. I know you got to yes. get going, and, and uh, greatly appreciate you coming on. And I, like you said, like to make a long story short, let's, let's make that story long uh, another time. You're welcome back. Absolutely. Yes. Always can't listen. We follow each other on the, the social media platform there. And uh, I'm always, uh, you know, seeing what you're doing and uh, I always give your stuff a like. And yeah, it's always a pleasure, Sam. And I'm glad I was able to fit a few minutes in. I'm sure it's I'm sorry it's on the short side. And uh, Mr. Schweiger, it's a, it was a pleasure to exchange some information historical today. And uh, thank you for, uh, you know, thank you for giving us your time today. My, um, my pleasure. Take care and good luck. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a good day. You as well, Rob. Take care. All right. Bye. So, Ron, you know, such, such fascinating stuff there. And, and, again, thanks to Mr. Rob Lopez for joining us on this podcast as well as uh, the job he does. You know, I, I don't have that head to, to do that. You know, I'm not a soldier, if you will. I'm the USO show. Um, and I, you, you have to give credit where credit's due, and you have to uh, applaud uh, uh, with a standing ovation the work that that uh, folks like him him do to make sure that we are protected. Uh, you know, specifically in this case uh, from the from uh, nature's 
uh, you know, hell wrath, if you will. Um, so, uh, Ron, before I, I go, you know, you, you, you did uh, mention some of the stuff that we, we were not able to hear uh, earlier on in the podcast, but um, is there any, anything off the top of your head having, having heard all that stuff before we, we dive back into the historical elements? Yeah, well, um, the, earlier I mentioned about the, fire, the volunteer fire department in Flatbush, but if we head further east, um, south and east, we have the Volunteer Firemen's Association of Flatlands. Now, Flatlands was one of the Dutch towns. The original name was New Amersfoort, which is Dutch, but the English changed it to Flatlands. And the center of the town was the, today's intersection of Kings Highway and Flatbush Avenue. Uh, I live about three or four blocks from that intersection. But the Volunteer Firemen's Association was actually further east of that intersection in an area known as Canarsie. Canarsie was actually part of the town of Flatlands, except in the eastern part of it. And I'm looking in a book here, and I think I sent you that picture, Sam. And on the left side is a 1910 photograph with uh, four gentlemen standing in front of the Flatlands Volunteer Firemen's Association. The address, the address is not in the photograph, but it's actually 1400 Rockaway Parkway, um, about a block or two from Glenwood Road in Canarsie. And it's a beautiful structure with a nice bell tower on top, and that's in 1910. By the 1920s, it was still there, or the bell had been removed from the tower, but the structure is still there. And I think that's my grandfather's car parked in front of it there in the 1920s. <laughs> and, then, and then underneath are two photographs from 1969 and 1990. And that same structure is still there with the bell tower, of course, without the bell. In 1969, it shows that the Volunteer Firemen's Association building is now a fruit and vegetable market. But it's the same building as the one in 1910, which goes back to the 1890s, actually, with the, flat, with the Flatlands Volunteer Firemen's Association. Um, as, I haven't been down Rockaway Parkway in a number of years, but as late as the early 2000s, that structure was still standing, all right, but in dilapidated condition. And there was a, a campaign underway uh, by the eight, 1980s and 1990s to get the structure landmarked, but it never happened. The Landmarks Commission said that the building uh, was too dilapidated, although historically it was important, but the building in the 1969 photograph, you can really see, is really in sad shape as the fruit and vegetable market. Um, but it was not until um, 1896 when the city of Brooklyn, by the way, the city of Brooklyn did not include all the other towns. Remember, there were six towns altogether, five Dutch and one English. The city of Brooklyn was established in 1834, which only included the northern end of Brooklyn, like the Brooklyn Heights, Borough Hall area, Red Hook area, and so on. And gradually, as the decades went on, the city of Brooklyn began to, I guess you might say, become imperialistic and gather in the towns. And the last towns were, um, I think, Gravesend 
and Flatlands. And in 1896, the city of Brooklyn annexed the town of Flatlands, and, which included Canossie Village, where the Volunteer Firemen's Association was, and the, the fire department was deactivated. The volunteer department was deactivated in 1896, all right? Um, and by 1898, when all of the five counties became the five boroughs of New York City, that's when the individual firehouses from the towns were changed. Their numbers remained the same, except another number was added to it. For example, the, the firehouse that was numbered um, 57 now became 257 as part of the fire department of New York City. So if you had a firehouse that was uh, engine 55, for example, then it became 255 under the city uh, charter. So the numbers remained the same, but a number was added in front of it when it became part of the city fire department. Uh, so all the volunteers are gone. Um, the Flatlands, by the way, the Flatlands Volunteer Firemen's Association, um, it, it was deteriorating and it was small. So in 1903, a brand new brick structure that had three bays where trucks can enter and exit. The original volunteer one had just one bay, all right? But this new brick one in 1903, which originally was number 57 when, the, when it was a volunteer, now became 257 under the city. When, when the, and the postcard I have here, it says, Firehouse number 257, Canarsie, Long Island. It doesn't say Brooklyn, New York. It says Canarsie, Long Island on the postcard. So anyhow, this is what happened to the volunteer firehouses all over, and I'm sure not just in Brooklyn, but in all of the five counties or boroughs. Did, when they became is, is the postcard to the city. one of the uh, is the postcard one of the things that you sent me? Uh, no, that's not one of the ones I sent you. No, it's if not. If you could, if you could, because uh, ladies and gentlemen, when I repost this uh, as a uh, just a reminder that the podcasts are up and and now it's on Apple, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to make sure to attach some photos. Um, you know, Iran, and I think I've mentioned this to you before. One of the things that that has uh, inspired me to, to go down this rabbit hole. And of course, now I'm, I'm also considering the other work, another podcast regarding the police department, but we're focused on, on the fire department right now. Um, across from Gil Hodges' uh, burial uh, site in Holy Cross Cemetery is yeah. a, a statue uh, dedicated to the Brooklyn Fire Department and to, to the, when it was a city. Um, I think that there's a few people buried around that, that whole area, but that's, you know, the, the, these little ornaments throughout the town that remind you uh, of the, of New York's, I'm sorry, of Brooklyn city history. And, you know, I, I, again, I always go to the fact that Brooklyn more than any other place was, was reluctant to give up its independence, even if it passed just by a, by a, a note. Well, I'll tell you, if you want to know the exact numbers of the vote and how close it was in Brooklyn, um, the vote took place in um, November of 1897, after about three years of debate of the, the um, 
the Consolidation Commission that was established in 1890 um, to discuss whether or not to consolidate or not. Finally, it was decided to put the vote to the voting public. And by the way, only men could vote back then. Women couldn't vote. The vote in um, New York City, which, in, which was Manhattan and the Bronx at that time, with uh, over 900,000 votes cast, the vote passed overwhelmingly to consolidate. In Queens, which of course had a much smaller population and which still had a lot of farmland, the vote passed overwhelmingly. Um, there must have been about maybe six or 7,000 votes cast and overwhelmingly passed. Staten Island, with even a smaller population, also passed overwhelmingly to consolidate. But in Brooklyn, which had the second highest population outside of New York City, which was Manhattan and the Bronx, there were um, about 130,000 votes cast. And because of the vote of the farmers that were in the southern and eastern end of Brooklyn, which included Flatlands and Canarsie, the vote passed by only 277 votes out of 130,000 that were cast because the farmers wanted the modern amenities um, from the city, which would include paved streets, sewers, and be connected to the New York City water supply, which we are still connected today, which is the Croton Reservoir and, of course, the Ashokan Reservoir in upstate in the Catskills. So um, that's what happened when consolidation took place. The, the uh, individual volunteer firehouses disappeared and became part of the New York City Fire Department, and that's when streets became more paved through the farmland areas in, in Brooklyn and in Queens. Um, and um, it, it's a fascinating history. And just going back to what Rob said about uh, the Brooklyn Dodgers, I always tell people that they never moved. They're on an extended road trip. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, uh, um, as, as, you're, as you go through Brooklyn, you know, obviously the Brooklyn Fire Department statue, the houses that still say Brooklyn Fire Department. Um, but, it, it, you know, of course we always end up in many ways pivoting to the Dodgers somehow, whether it's talking about Carl in the fire department or just talking about, about uh, like you said, the extended road trip they're on. Um, the, I, I feel as if Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Dodgers at the time, the, them leaving Brooklyn behind, it was the last vestige, it was the last institution that connected Brooklyn, other than these, these different uh, reminders from a, a physical architectural standpoint. Um, it was the last vestige and institution that connected Brooklyn to its independent history. Because it was the Brooklyn Dodgers were created um, in 1883, I believe, uh, when Brooklyn was still a city, and um, that that was one of you know I think maybe uh, it, it wasn't as pertinent and it wasn't as as um, discussed at the time. You know, I'd really have to do a complete deep dive, paper to paper and ish, issue to issue. Uh, at the time of the conversation, but I really do feel as if Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Dodgers leaving was the last, like the last connection uh, of, of independent Brooklyn putting the borough behind it. 
Um, that's true. And I'll tell you, um, when, when the Barclays Center opened on the site where the Dodgers were hopefully going to get a brand-new stadium on that site, and by the way, it would have been a covered stadium with a dome, all right? So you would have uh, year-round events, uh, which, of course, it never happened. But at the very first game for the Brooklyn Nets, um, a couple of the old Brooklyn Dodgers that were still around attended, um, and uh, there was a big ceremony. Uh, Borough President Marty Markowitz, who was instrumental in getting the Barclays Center uh, built at that site, um, he and um, um, I believe he was wearing a Brooklyn Dodger shirt, and I think one of the Brooklyn Dodger former players, I think, was wearing a Brooklyn Dodger shirt, connecting the Brooklyn Dodgers to the Brooklyn Nets on the site where the new Dodgers, the new Ebbets Field would have been built. So, again, that was connecting the baseball Brooklyn to the basketball Brooklyn. Yeah, and, you know, uh, we, that, that's a whole other podcast for another day about uh, where the Nets currently stand. And um, uh, ironically, I'm looking out the window now and seeing a couple fire uh, uh, trucks, um, you know, basically reminding me that before we go, I want to throw it one more time back to you for anything else you want to talk about regarding the history of the uh, fire department in Brooklyn. Um, well, um, if we go back to the firehouse um, at, in Flatbush, the original fire company was directly behind the Flatbush Dutch Reformed Church. And the um, bell was um, rung right there. And eventually, in, um, by 1872, they built a brick firehouse on um, East Broadway. Now, East Broadway is now Church Avenue, okay? So on Church Avenue about 100 feet east of Flappish Avenue, between Bedford Avenue and Flappish Avenue, that's where a brick firehouse was built in the 1870s. But because of a, a series of false alarms at, from that location, for whatever reason, I don't know, um, it was decided to replace the bell um, at the top of the newly built Flappish Town Hall, which was built in 1875 at 35 Snyder Avenue. Snyder Avenue was originally called Grant Street. Flappish Town Hall from 1875 still stands today, this beautiful New York City landmark Gothic structure, this Victorian Gothic structure on Snyder Avenue between Bedford and Flatbush uh, still stands, and the bell for the fire uh, was put at the top of the Flappish Town Hall, um, and that was the end of the false alarms. Um, but with, Ch with Church Avenue, by the way, uh, straightened out. It wasn't a straight line from Flappish Avenue. So it was straightened out about 1900. And then the brick firehouse that was built in the 1870s, that was torn down. So, and the, the firehouse today in Flappish, well, I think there's two of them. There's one on Cortelyou Road near Westminster Road. Um, there's another one on Rogers Avenue, just off of Flappish Avenue. So there are two firehouses in Flappish that I know of right over there. Well, there's, there's also uh, uh, both the uh, police department, I forget what the precinct is, on Snyder Avenue is also next to a 
newly new relatively like it's probably architecturally speaking from the 70s they're con- the the buildings are connected the police department and the firehouse and um it's only a few blocks from where i live only a few blocks from holy cross cemetery so it's it's on snyder avenue between nostrand and rogers okay yeah yeah um that that i think that might be the 67th precinct i think i'm not sure right um, so, you know, you know, we're, we're getting close to an hour on air and, um, uh, firstly, again, uh, thanks to Rob Lopez for being able to call in and, and give us some, uh, some insights into, uh, you know, just, I, I, I had never heard the story from him. So some insight into, uh, not only starting out in Brooklyn, but also, uh, what it was like to uh, be a part of 9-11 and, and I would even if, you know, this, this podcast is dedicated to the history of Brooklyn, the history of the Dodgers, uh, um, and uh, most of the time we're trying to stay basically pre-1962, pre-1957. Um, it, it, we, we always love to talk about the legacy of that era as it pertains to modern affairs. Um, so we greatly appreciate that. And, and Ron, uh, it's always such a pleasure. You ha- you're such a uh, a, a vast, you have such a, a plethora of information, a vast collection of information in your head. And uh, I, it's always just fascinating to pick your brain regarding Brooklyn history. And uh, of course, well, if you, uh, you and I have talked about, yeah, go ahead. Well, if you, I think you've been to my home and I think you've seen the bookcase in my dining room with uh, one, two, three, four, uh, four shelves which don't have room anymore for books, so they're piled on top of the bookcase. There's another bookcase next to it, and everything in these two bookcases relates to Brooklyn and some aspect of its history. And some of the books go back to the 1800s. So, in fact, two of them are in front of me now on the dining room table, and that's where I'm getting the information about the Flappish, um, the Flappish uh, uh, Volunteer Firemen Association and the Flatlands and Canarsie and so on. Um, Eventually, Sam, I'm not sure exactly when, but I'm hoping, and so is my wife hoping, that within the next (laughs) year or so, I'm going to be donating all of my Brooklyn memorabilia, my maps, documents, photographs, books, postcards, my Brooklyn Dodger collection. Everything is going to be donated to the Brooklyn College Archives in their library. I am affiliated with the college and... uh, I teach a class there on Brooklyn history to retirees, and, um, and uh, I'm a past president of the Alumni Association, and I live about, oh, about nine or ten blocks from the college campus, so it's very convenient for me. Um, anyhow, um, I want so, all my so stuff I, there. I, that's great. That's amazing, and I also segue to Brooklyn College real quick. I, I'm sure that you can uh, talk vastly uh, about the history of Brooklyn College um, and oh, we, don't sure. to, we don't need to go down we don't need to go down that that rabbit hole now um, but if there's any also we'll talk off air if there's anybody that you think can help uh, complement the conversation uh, when we eventually do that uh, we will we will chat about it and maybe even try to do it on uh, Brooklyn College premises which uh, which is such a beautiful campus yes it is it opened in 1937 and I'll stop right there <laughs> <laughs> so, well, well uh, Ron, again, uh, Ron Schweiger, the Brooklyn Borough 
historian. Thank you so much, as always, for joining us. You were literally my first guest ever, and I greatly appreciate you always coming on and educating everybody about this former city. Okay. Thank you, and uh, I hope those who are listening enjoyed and got a little history lesson on Brooklyn firefighting. And thank you all out there for uh, your listening. Uh, it, it's just it's so thrilling to still be doing this uh, after almost uh, 10 years. Uh, it's coming up, I believe, sometime at the end of June or early July. I'll have to look at the date when Ron Schweiger was the uh, first guest on the Bedford and Sullivan podcast. And um, it's, it, I've had this idea since 2005. And through it all, I, I've had to develop as a writer, and, and you're never really not developing both as a writer at, and as a human being. And recently I finished a sixth draft of a, a hypothetical pilot. Um, it's the tightest draft, even if it's not completely there yet. It's the tightest draft that I've had. Uh, there's a lot of other uh, material uh, to uh, attempt to, to get this in front of people and pitch this. Uh, but I cannot, ha I cannot have done it without the encouragement and uh, the, the constant listening that you all have done over these years. Uh, I, I couldn't have – I would have given up a long time ago. But no matter how long this takes, we are going to get this done somehow, some way. And, I, again, I greatly appreciate you all continuing to listen, even, even when – I, I, uh, am, am, uh, I have a little too many sabbaticals in between episodes. So thank you again all. Uh, let's go Brooklyn, and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Thanks again, Rob. Thanks again, Ron. You're very welcome. Take care, Sam. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 